Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warrior is where I interview consciousness-centered entrepreneurs about their journey from warrior to commander to king to elder. We'll deconstruct the mindset, mental models, actionable tactics so you can go out and take them and build your business with more impact and fulfillment. My next guest is Memnon Usan. Memnon held seven different ranks in a variety of martial arts. He's a polymath a bodybuilder, mathematician, a violin player, a physicist, and an African wisdom keeper. We talked about the idea of being limitless, the blueprint that he took to become limitless in his intellect, spirit, and soul, and how childlike wonder love of action figures helped him grow into this real-life superhero persona, how being misunderstood helped him find a fountain of never-ending motivation, the process he created to stay reflexively connected to God. The formula for overcoming lust, finding truth on the collision course of science, faith, and love. The five metrics that he uses to track and measure spiritual growth and stepping out of reality helps him to create his ultimate spiritual self. The five-step blueprint for creating an invincible will. So please enjoy my conversation with Memnon Usan. Let's start off by something that's really obvious. You look like a superhero. So <laughs> if I think about Noble Warrior, if I think about what an archetype would look like, that would be you. In Chinese, we have a phrase say Wen Wu Shuang Xuan. It means this, this guy is a scholar. This guy is also a martial artist. So for me, when I think about you, whenever I see you speak, that's what I think about. So the question that I have for you is, were you always this way or was there a moment in your childhood, something happened that had you built an archetype and engineer the physique that you have today? Um, well, first, um, man, you know, you, you, you hear the bio about yourself and um, that's a lot. Um, and um, I'm only worthy of those things um, if my behavior uh, matches the identity because uh, you can't do anything. No accolades don't mean anything if you are not able to walk that path uh, in a straight and vertical form. Um, so um, that all of that stuff means really nothing. Uh, but uh, bio is bio. Um, I'm humbled by it. Um, but the path is only as good um, as your behavior. Um, had anything made me like this? I think from a, a very early stage um, in my in my path of my career and life, um, because one, I, I treat life um, specifically um, as that is your career. Uh, all the first energy should always go to cultivating yourself. Um, and I think as we cultivate ourselves in this life, um, I think what I did was I wanted to realize that I am the manifest that I can make things uh, manifest as much as my will desired. Um, and what my will desired was is to have omnipotence and all things that I am about, all things that I stand for. So what I did was I took a practical approach. Um, the physical body is only a form of an entity or a blueprint or that image that shows you on how great your spirit and intellect or your psychology can be. Um, the physical body obviously has limitations. Um, and what I mean by that ultimately is you're not able to fly. Um, we're not able to jump, draw, you know, single buildings in one hop. 
Um, and we're not able to do those things uh, from a physical limitation standpoint. Um, but I believe the physical is the blueprint and it shows you on if you are able to perform in a physical form, it gives you that image in order for you to look at it and show on how things will grow and how things can um, blossom itself through practice. So if you're lifting weights or if you're doing some cardiovascular skill, everything increases and you can ultimately see it increase. You can see how your body forms. All of those things you can see with your own eyes. You can see if your arms are getting bigger. You can see if your legs are getting bigger. You can see if your chest is getting bigger. All of those things is from an eyes standpoint, you're able to look at and you can see development. Knowing that the physical body, again, has limitations, what I realize is that the intellect has no limitations. I realize that the spiritual body has no limitations. I realize that the soul has no limitations. So what I realized from a very early standpoint is that if that is the case in my physical body, I can do, I can stretch it and I can perform it and it can increase this cardiovascular, it can increase this bicep, you can increase your chest, you can increase your legs and thus forth. If that is the case and you can do with your physical, imagine what you can do with your intellect, with your spirituality and with your psychology. So what I did was I sat down um, and I started making blueprints on what practices, on what things you can do to stretch yourself, can stretch the, stretch your intellect, things and drills that you can do, whether it's speed, sagacity, rationalization, memory, all of those things, if it was your soul, on how much can you particularly give and give gratitude to yourself and love yourself for your, and unconditionally have yourself in a good place and a good will and a good spirit and a good atmosphere. I wanted to see was it practices for that. In spirituality, I wanted to see how many prayers could I actually do in a day that was practical. How many times can I take time to pray? What does prayer mean? So I wanted to ultimately put a practice in for that. I wanted to put a practice in and I wanted to say, you know what, how ultimately, how can you adjust yourself in your, in your psychology to ask yourself and rationalize decisions that you make? How can you put practices in that? So ultimately what I did was I made the body a physical blueprint of actually everything else that, um, that comes along with your totality. So whether it was spirit, whether it was psychology, whether it was your soul, um, or whether it was form of rationality that you have in any form of intellectual persuasion, I made a test for it. And then after the test, I was making practices. So for me, um, I believe that life is built for that individual to not only express his individuality, but that person to live at his most act, most maximum height that he possibly can. And then what you find once you reach uh, the maximum height that you can, you realize that there's other levels to that. So, you know, um, all yeah. type of drills that you make for yourself in order to blossom is three things that, that I believe manifest to being. And that is omnipresence, that is omniscience, and that is omnipotence. So for me, uh, those three things um, kind of distinguishedly and steered my life um, to what it is. Uh, One may look at you and say, holy shit, this guy looked like a real superhero, right? You know, it's, his body is not Photoshop, it's, it's real. So it's a little bit unrelatable. So if you don't mind going back to the inciting incident where you were before, then describe that a little bit 
then that would make it more relatable to anyone who don't who remotely don't even look like you. So, <laughs> so, so that way, that way people can actually see the path. Cause what you just described, the mindset, the path, the different domains. I love that. And we're going deep more into that, but can you make it go back to the earlier days? So that way people mm -hmm. can relate to who you were before and the mental shift that had to happen as you go through your own inner resistance or whatever. Yes. Uh, that's a great question. Um, when I was um, before, I uh, was just kind of a, a growing um, young man, you know, young um, as any adolescence. I mean, you dream um, and you see superheroes um, and you aspire for those superheroes uh, uh, to have a little piece of them um, and let them be a part of you. And my dreaming uh, was to always uh, be super in everything that I did. Um, so I used to, um, you know, sleep with superhero action figures all under my bed. It was at a point I had 187 uh, action figures stuffed under my bed. So my bed, like, had all of these, like, lumps, you know, all on top of it. And I'm sleeping, <laughs> and I'm sleeping, like, on top of it. And my mother is just, like, impervious to what I'm doing uh, and think the bed is, like, all messed up and I'm lying and telling her it's like lumpy, you know, uh, don't worry about it though. But in reality, I had like 187 action figures underneath my bed. And um, I think um, from that mindset, um, wanting to be super in all things that I do, um, I realized that in order to really look like that, your body, you know, from a physical standpoint, um, I had to be in the most, you know, supreme shape um, that you can possibly imagine. Uh, so my body wise, um, I wanted to include, you know, so uh, probably like at age 11, uh, I got into my first martial art um, and that was a style called Hunga, um, which I know you're probably familiar with. And um, that style was based on the five animal forms. Um, so I got with my first Sifu um, and he ultimately took me under his wing. Um, and, you know, he was ultimately a principal of an elementary school that my mother um, had previously went to. Uh, so I ultimately wound up having a hookup uh, really with that um, and wound up ultimately studying my first martial art. Again, it aligned with the body, aligned with superheroes and everything. Um, and then from that standpoint um, of me learning um, my first martial art, um, it came to be the second martial art. Then I got to Wing Chun um, and then the Choi Lee Foot you know, and, and then it started growing, you know, all from there. Uh, but I ultimately, because I wanted my body um, from an image perspective uh, to fit the identity of superheroes, uh, because ultimately that's really the first stage um, that you're thinking about is the image. You're not thinking about consciousness. You're not thinking about intellect or you're not thinking about any of those things. So when you think of those things, you're thinking of, you know, how is my body going to look? You know, so you're thinking in a vanity uh, way um, instead of really a conscious way. So I think at that stage of me, I just wanted to be in the most optimum state, um, optimal uh, shape that I possibly could be. Um, so what I wanted to do was I wanted to climb myself up um, each time and, and be able to perform, you know, and, um, you know, in that form of performance on things that I was doing, um, I wanted to make sure that my body was at the most optimal level.
so I did everything, um, everything you imagine. I was starting off, I got swimming lessons um, and I started doing laps there. Um, I was doing martial art out in the woods and I was wake up and do it and I go to practice and do it. Um, so it was a lot of things that really contributed, but really the mindset of it all. The mindset of it all is that I wanted to make sure that my performance um, was that of a superhero. So whether it was running fast, whether it was lifting something, um, whether it was doing gymnastics, I wanted to make sure I was at an optimal level. And that mindset this basically came from, I just believed in superheroes. I believed that it, it could exist. And, you know, why wouldn't I believe it? I was a dreamer and um, nothing could tell me different. You know, I just knew that um, I can control that. And I just didn't let, I wasn't gonna let anything stop me from believing in it. So I just made practices. So, so here's the follow-up question. Mm -hmm. um, that's extraordinary, especially at 11 years old. So how were you able to do that when perhaps your parents didn't understand you, your sibling didn't understand you, your, your, your peer group didn't understand you? It's, it's really unusual to actually think like, uh, I want to do everything I can to embody uh, this superhero image that I have in my mind. Um, you know what? Um, I think I cried a lot about that, you know, as a kid, um, because I wanted my parents to understand me. You know, I wanted people to understand me. Um, I kind of put on this facade in high school um, of uh, trying to be understood. Um, so I, I didn't, you know, do it. It wasn't a, uh, I guess it wasn't a really, it, it wasn't tactful um, because I didn't think when I was doing it, but it was willful because I just was doing it. Um, because, you know, why not fit in, you know, um, you don't, you don't want people to see the real you sometime. And I think I was at that stage where I was like, man, I'm just too weird, man. You know, ain't nobody going to understand this type of work ethic. You know, is nobody going to understand, you know, what my beliefs are, you know, so why even tell them, you know, why could, how could they understand? And parents are only going to understand, they only want to see you for your, you know, they, they birthed you. So it's hard for them to look past on who you was from a child to who you are. You know, you go through that now. Parents are not going to, they always see you in the one light, you know? So for me, I wanted my parents to understand me. You know, I wanted them to um, do things um, um, and, and be there for me and, and do all of that. But I realized with doing all of that, the pain of all of that, it made me more independent. Uh, and in that independency, I turned that anger from that independency into a fire and then a flame. Um, it's just like how Customato had trained Tyson. And, you know, you, you, you have a flame and then there's a fire, then there's an inferno. Uh, and basically that was burning on me uh, to really, you know, have excellence. Um, so for me, what I was doing with that is I just created, um, it was just creating more. And it would make me train even harder. And it made me not depend on anybody. You know, I, I, if, I, if it was the case was, if you're going to train like this, and if you're going to be this type of individual, then you're going to have to be harder than ever. You're going to have to go through hell psychology, you know, psychologically. And when you go through that, I guarantee you in the end, you're going to be better for it. And that was my idealism for it. I, I, I wrote... Uh, my, my whole thesis of understanding was if you are who you're supposed to be, 
You are not going to ever need anybody that stands for you or around you. You'll be able to be independent, center, and understanding that what your purpose is. And everything else will fill in. So I never really worried about it. So pause on that point. So pause mm -hmm. on that point real quick. That mm -hmm. in itself is also a unusual mindset. I think you're right. It's accurate. You know, we come into this world by mm -hmm. ourselves. We're gonna leave this world by ourselves. So ultimately, we are sovereign beings, and this is our own individual journey in the collective whole, right? However, uh, most people do yearn for that support and understanding from others. So how did you shift into that mindset of I'm here, this is my journey, I'm gonna do whatever it takes and no one else is gonna you know, sway my sovereignty? Um, it just, it, I think it, it just came from um, you know, just having a belief in yourself. I mean, and there's a, it steps to that. Right. Because the first stage is you're saying to yourself, OK, I'm going to go through this right now and nobody understands me. Nobody can even get on what I'm doing, on how I'm doing it. There's no way they can understand it. So you're saying that to yourself. And then the other half um, of that is you're saying if they can't understand me, how long can I sit in a corner about it? How really long can I sit in the corner about it? And then you sit in the corner and then you try to understand it. And then you know what winds up happening is you get stronger and you get stronger again. And then before you know it, you have grown layers and then you don't worry about it anymore. And then what winds up happening is you have created a new strength upon yourself. You have created a new dimension upon yourself. You have cre created a new path, you know, for yourself. So for me, it never really was about um, having people understand me or being around me. I think I've thought about it um, in essence uh, to a certain point um, and to a certain distinction at one time. But after a while, um, and, and this is just telling you the reality of it, uh, it's just you don't care about it any longer and you grow new strength because of it. So I think what happened, which I know what happened is, once I realized that I didn't have anybody that was going to understand me, it helped me get stronger. And then in that strength, just like any muscle, if you work it and you know how to perform and be there for that muscle, what winds up happening is it grows. And then it grows and then it grows some more as long as you keep working on it. And before you know it, you're not really, you're isolated in your own consciousness and you're, you don't have any form of dependency on worrying about on whether people understand you or not. You understand that at all times that is always about the performance of yourself. And if you're really happy with yourself, I always tell people, I say, you know, before you even uh, get in a relationship or before you even, uh, and it takes time to know this, but before you get in a relationship, before you even ask someone for marriage, you have to first have matrimony for yourself. You have to first put the ring on yourself. If you are alone and you understanding yourself and you can have matrimony, true matrimony with yourself, everything else will come around you and you will find someone uh, just as beautiful and immaculate as you can ever imagine. But that has to be the first stage. So I think upon growing, um, that allowed me 
to build that muscle up, to create that form of consciousness and strength in biceps and triceps and legs and back and all of those things that you have to do to strengthen yourself in a in net form. And when you do that, I think I didn't worry about anything else um, ever again. Uh, it was over. Um, yeah. I knew at this time I was going to perform at the highest level because I had no more strings attached to anything. I just knew what I can do. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, reflecting back on my own spiritual journey, agree 100% where I started. I was looking outwards for validation, approval. And, hey, look at me. You know, I look good, right? Vanity matrix. And I took my own journey to where I'm at right now, really start to really get like, oh, this is what it takes to strengthen my spiritual spine, the muscle, the legs and everything. So to be sovereign, no matter what. However, for me, it wasn't, I didn't know it before, skip a lot of the middle steps to understanding and appreciating this sovereignty that I have. So what I, what I had to do was looking at role models, you know, Bruce Lee and, you know, other people who, if they can do it, so can I kind of thing. Right. So, so there's mm -hmm. that as well as, um, finding others who believe in similar values, uh, as a way to like, oh, I'm not alone in this world doing this. All right. There are others, noble warriors, and Memnon is doing that too. Okay, we understand each other, like leaning right. to discomfort, going for it, right? Like, you know, holy shit, he's doing it. Awesome. I love <laughs> it, right? Whenever I see right. you doing your thing, smiling right. through the camera, saying nothing, working out at the gym by yourself, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. So for yeah. me, it's a journey. So I just wanted to underline some of the steps that I took personally to really now appreciate this sovereign tea uh that you speak about uh one little um nuanced question i want to ask you is it's easy for the um younger selves or the less mature selves to turn bitter no one understand me i'm gonna do my thing so i'm gonna isolate myself i'm gonna you know everyone else is the enemy i'm just gonna do my thing right <clears throat> however you're not like that. You're doing your thing, but you are doing it with warmth and compassion and empathy for all. And one of the big thing from my point of view that your community loves you so much is that because you're doing your thing and you're also very approachable. You know, you don't judge them for their journey. So can you speak a little bit more about the nuance? How come you didn't turn bitter and isolated and you know, just live alone in the woods by yourself versus just being such an open-hearted, open-minded person that you are. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes, it's a beautiful question too. Um, um, there, there's a few uh, factors in that. Um, you know, one of the factors is that I had developed a spiritual pattern um, and spiritual practice. So um, I've been doing um, pretty much nine prayers a day for for your uh, since adolescence. Uh, so I think uh, prayer changes um, an individual and it opens your spirit to a certain degree. And um, I think so that helps. Um, I have uh, six meditations that I do. Um, it's around three now, uh, but I used to do six meditations as well. And so uh, the meditation part um, and adherence of it, um, I think also uh, put its head 
you know, um, and helped me out um, tremendously. Again, from a soul, spiritual, because you got to go in and then come out. So I think that did um, its part on helping me out. Um, the big um, part, because all of them have their part on it, uh, but I, I think the big thing was is just when you're defining character, um, and I believe that man is an ultimate role model. Um, everything that he does, everything, how he walks, how he speaks, his actions, his inactions, his response, all of those things, man is built uh, to one, to be never disconnected from God or the source or whoever you one feels is the ultimate. Uh, so I think there's no disconnection in that. So because I thought there was no disconnection um, and you are living a God life and uh, you are living in that God form because you are then connected um, from an umbilical standpoint, you're never disconnected from that source. I thought that um, there is an appropriate um, for me to have any other attributes other than God. Um, and that because I thought that and because I believe that and because I live that, um, I realized that there is no possible way uh, in any shape or form, through the prayers, through the meditation, through the belief system, that ultimately I'm, I'm connected to the source at all times uh, and believing that man is the role model uh, for the world and has to be. Um, as you um, embark on being your leader uh, to your household and to your nation, I believe that it is completely unacceptable and it is in no time and in no form can a man behave inappropriately at no time. So for me, by the way, when you say man, do you mean gender or man as in human being? I mean uh, both. So it could be men as in because as a man, I believe that, um, and uh, and as a as a as a being, um, because I don't believe we're human beings. I believe we're God beings. Uh, I don't believe in the human part whatsoever. Uh, so from a God being perspective, I believe everyone on the earth, man or woman. Uh, you are here to be a role model and be able to define the light within the world um, and to bring that light upon your next person and your nation. So for me, um, I wanted to make sure um, at any time, um, and again, you don't want to do things. Let me give you an example, right? <laughs> like you don't want to do things and you go out on a date and you, and you like somebody and you, you take them out for a date and you're doing all of the things. You opening the door, you're giving them the roses, and you 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 coddling uh, to the highest degree. You're on your best behavior. I always believe that um, how can that best behavior be permanent, right? How can that best behavior be consistent? That it is no longer an act that you're performing uh, for just because you just put the gum in your mouth and that is the flavor and now you're chewing it and then all of a sudden once that gum loses its flavor, you're then the interest is gone, the energy is gone, the will is gone for that practice. Like I don't believe uh, in that. And I said, how can I keep myself energized and how can I keep myself consistent? And how I do that is, again, those prayers, those meditations, that understanding that you are connected to the source metaphorically at all times. So when you do things like that, um, it is completely inappropriate to have yourself at any time, in my belief, um, to be nothing less than the most immaculate role model that it can possibly exist. 
in all forms of totality. So um, it was very easy for me because I just believed in that. And so bitterness, um, belligerence, anger, greed, envy, lust, all of those behaviors that will fall upon the human being, I don't believe fall upon the God being. So for me, that was very easy because I always picture myself as being the God being with God practices, again, metaphorically. So there is no way even um, in any iota for me to be able to have any of those form of bitterness or any form of derogatory attributes whatsoever. So mm. that's basically, you know, on how I live and mm. the uh, mandate that I set for myself. So mm. it made it pretty much impossible. In order to do things like that, you got to create a stimulus within yourself that everything you can do is a reflex. It's not an act. It's just like if you right now, a fly flew in your ear, is that within seconds you, you know, within seconds you try to brush it off. I wanted everything from the divine line to be performed out of myself, out of that God being just like that. So it's just like a reflex, you know, it's impossible for me to, you know, be belligerent or, or, or involve myself in derogatory things because um, as a reflex, I'm connected to the source. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, we're human beings after all. Mm -hmm. And there's various um what's the word i'm looking for characters let's say right attributes as you mm -hmm. said greed and lust and you know god all of it within us so we're not one in totality there's just different characters let's say it's probably an easier mm -hmm. analogy here all right yes that reminds me of the two wolf story of the native american you know do you feed the good wolf or the bad wolf and then you basically don't give it attention right so one school of thought is you feel it to heal it. You do give it attention. Otherwise, uh, it will act up. The other uh, school of thought is you don't give it attention at all. You just, you just starve. Um, you, don't, you don't let it take over. So I'm curious to know your point of view. As you practice, as the negative charges arise within you, as the thought or the feeling of belligerence, lust, greed, all these things that show up, how do you manage the internal state? Does that make sense? Makes a great question. Absolutely. Um, I have a conversation with it. Mm. You know, let's, let's, let's be real life about it, right? You know, if, uh, you know, if men see a girl with a big backside or, or you, you see a girl that has a, a certain form of ornaments on her, and it attracts you, you know, you have to have a conversation with yourself about it. And I figured out, <laughs> you think this is really wild, but, you know, this is what happens when you spend all this time, <laughs> when you spend all this time with yourself. Um, I would create formulas um, for formula. things like that. I would create formulas for every form of emotion like that. And the formulas ain't something you draw out like the stuff on a, on a backboard. Um, it would be formulas um, um, that I ultimately can keep uh, from inside me. So if I'm ultimately, give you an example. So if I see a girl um, and I had, if I saw a girl at the time, um, 
and she was, uh, you know, fit all of the physical, um, uh, the, she fit the physical criteria, right? And she was something that um, I wanted to explore from a physical aspect, right? I never, with the formula I created, you know, for something like that is, I always think about after the orgasm. That's it. And then once sorry, I start back up thinking, one sentence, you always think about the what I, orgasm? I always I always thought about after the orgasm. Mm. After you have an orgasm with her, mm. then what do you do? So I never was about before. Because mm. in essence, when you when I dug into it, all of the feeling ultimately uh, was all the same. Man's ending of sex um, is always an orgasm. Is always an orgasm. Always. Um, that is part of the issue in as far as the urge on men. Another way, that's a different conversation another day. However, mm. at that point, what I realized in that situation was um, you're going to orgasm no matter what woman that, that you're with. It don't really matter. Some girls have been different and some girls are scream different. Some girls are twist different. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all the same. Um, what you're going to get, you know, the experience, maybe your chain chain because everything is based on the ions for the universe. So you're going to have different forms of energy there. But in essence, um, it is all the same. Um, so for me, I just totally eliminated that out of context. And then the next layer would go and say, well, what is the consciousness? You know, what is the respect? What is the morality? What is the honor? If you completely eliminated the surge, because the surge goes right to your genitals, um, what is after that? And then after you practice that and peel the layers back, a lot of that, what you find um, is no longer that urge and being. You're kind of looking in a context different when you look at the woman. Um, so when you do that, you have eliminated um, and you have now become the master of your own domain. And um, it can no longer affect you, no longer, because you have now put a formula in. Your body has now received that formula. So every time something like that occurs, the formula automatically kicks in and it never bothers you again. So. Mm -hmm. All of those things like that, everything, every element of life, I sit mm -hmm. back, I address it, and then I create a formula for it. Mm -hmm. So anything that I felt as though was going to be derogatory in me, uh, that was going to be a weakness in me, uh, that I thought was going to be a uh, character flaw, or I thought it was going to be some form of um, um, a malignancy in me, I created a formula for it. Because I wanted to attack it, not run from it, but attack it. You don't want to run from it because it'll always catch you. And yeah. it'll always yeah. make you a slave yeah. uh, to yeah. it. So you never run from it. You want to attack it. You want to address it. You want to have a conversation with it. And then based on that conversation, I'm going to give that particular trait an ultimatum. You know, you're either going to do it my way or I'm going to get rid of you completely. And ultimately, it always settles into a formula where I'm able to create it. And then I'm never attacked by those antagonizing things ever again. They don't even come near me. 
So it's not uh, is 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 more of I don't have to worry about feeding a wolf because I don't even have the food to feed the wolf. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say is essentially the learning process is to practice um, with the end in mind. Ultimately, you skip ahead to the end. Okay, so I I see the attractive attributes whatever journey i took it to the end then i had my orgasm and then what that's the first layer and then the, the layer would be morality and honor and everything else that matters to you right so from that space then you can then basically make that choice powerfully from a sovereign place versus being led by your mind or your lust or your dick or whatever is that an accurate recap of what you just said yes um, cool. I think you got it in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can extrapolate more and more, but I think that's a pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, you got the, you got the thesis of it. So, yeah, you know I mean, there's no need to, <laughs> you got yeah. it. Um, so let's actually skip ahead a bit to, cause you mentioned a lot of gems earlier. You talk about omni, uh, presence, omni science and omni potence. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because you're a man of science and math. You're also a man of spirit. At first glance, it was seen paradoxical, right? So how would you say to someone who may be asking you, hey, how do you be a man of science as well as a man of faith? Um, well, I think, um, I think faith um, has uh, many, or I would say it would have a disturbance in its definition in, a, in the West, um, not so much in the East um, as much. Um, science to me, um, in all its glory, is a form of rationalization, a form of theories and rationalizations that are based upon facts that have to do with math. Math, this doesn't care about you whatsoever, and it just tells you the truth at all times. It's never a lie. There's never a form of a lie. It is always accurate. Um, and so when you look at science and you look at math together, um, there are basically combines and forms of one another that ultimately brings upon a faith, you know, because it just depends, right? Your faith is in the truth. Your faith is in what it is telling you that is the truth. Your faith is in oneself. Your faith is uh, something, I mean, anybody can have faith uh, pulled in one direction or the other. Um, do I believe when you say, when you say faith, is it more? What, one second. What do you mean one direction or the other? That you lost me there. What do you mean by um, that? When, as far as, uh, Faith is concerned with religion, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I'm trying to, uh, I want to make sure I'm understanding uh, that. In you, is when you say faith, do you mean religion? Um, and when you say faith, are you just saying faith in general? Yeah. Well, I think um, faith, uh, math, and science um, all do go together um, because I ultimately don't believe. I think all connects to each other. You know, you have when you have science, you have math, and I think you can have faith in both science and math. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at science and math, there are true serums. There are things that are actuality. 
Science is built on theories that are de coming from derivatives that come from math. And math is just based on a, a form of truth that it doesn't care about anybody. And I think when you're looking at faith from a spiritual context, faith has to do with things that probably science and math can't necessarily see because faith sometimes is just like, hey, I went through this. There's nothing you can tell me. I felt it. I know what it is. There is something inside me that I can't. It's not about logic. It's not about uh, um, a form of putting things on a board and drawing it out. It is something that I feel. It is something that I, you know, because science and math can't tell you about love, right? That is something that you have inside of you. You can't draw out what in science and math what love is. However, that person feels it. That person can explain it most of the time. And Something science and math can't have. But do I think they collectively go together? I do. Uh, just because I believe that all of them are tied equally with each other. And in some form of reason, you can have all three and they can all work together. I think they all three of them do want to work together. I don't think it is separation in that. I think people have a tendency to say is either or, right? You either like LeBron James or you like Michael Jordan, right? You either like Kobe Bryant or you like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's always one or the other. There's never like, you know what? Why can't I like LeBron and Michael Jordan? You know? Why do I have to distinguish Kobe Bryant from uh, 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 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or uh, Wilt Chamberlain or et cetera, right? You, you could think how everybody always tells you you can have one or the other or you have to separate it. I just don't believe in a separation. I don't think it has to be. You know, I think that's part of human fallacy. Again, being the human being um, is because you design on trying to make sure you fall into that human element. And that human element sometimes is very detriment to how we live. Uh, most of the time it is detriment, I believe, on how we live because you're tied into these isms and these dogmas that go out that really does not expand the being into its highest level. So I think um, in essence, when you're looking at these things in particularly, I don't think you can separate faith, science, and math. To me, they all go together. They all have a purpose. So I don't think you necessarily have to separate them because I think they all are collision courses that all run into each other. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that, was, that was very much a leading much question. question. There's a lot to unpack there. So to me, science is consensus reality. It's, you know, if you can, based on data, repeat the phenomenon, that's a indicator of quote unquote science, right? And faith or spirituality is, as you said, subjective reality based on just one's subjective experience. There's not necessarily uh, data that could back up my subjective reality other than my own subjective reality. That's the way how I delineate the two. So I'm curious to know from your point of view, because as someone who is devote his life to the pursuit of excellence, of what's possible, right? Quote, unquote, being a superhero, right? Being this God spirit being. What do you, um, this is gonna be a, a crude question, but how do you know you're advancing spiritually? Like, what do you measure? Is it a subjective experience? <clears throat> like, as you, go for this perfection as you said in, in 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 other podcasts that you've done before what do you measure as a way to track your progress 
It's a great question. Um, there's a few things that you measure. The one thing that you measure is when you're doing your prayers, are you making your mind focus the way you want it to focus? Meaning, can you really control your thoughts with inside your mind? You don't need to control your thoughts. You can let your mind go. But are you, one, controlling your thoughts? Second thing is, what you're asking for, is it manifesting? Is one of the things manifesting inside your prayers? Or you, is it now coming alive? So that's another one. Another one would be, am I still getting angry at the things I used to get angry about? Is there a point now when I am looking at the same subject or the same abrasion hit me, how do I react to it now? Do I just laugh it off? Do I smile? Do I understand? You ask yourself those questions. Another thing on how you deal, how you know your spirit is growing is your forgiveness. Are you able to um, forgive your parents or forgive your family uh, or forgive that friend um, or forgive um, things that happened to you in childhood? Um, are, you, are you there? You know, are you able to smile about it? Another thing that you know your spirit is growing is when you see your ex-girlfriends or your ex-mates, you know, are you able to give them love and want the best for them? Uh, and, and love them unconditionally and want to be them to be beautiful and wish them well and new success with their new mates. Um, do you care more about individuals when you see them? Do you cherish your time when you see them? There is a ton of things that I can list and run down. The bottom circle to all of this, though, is how you measure spirit is always upon the individual. But from a global perspective, when you're measuring spirit, you're looking at your encompass, your, your, the compass within yourself on where your conscience was from when you begin your journey to where your conscience is now, to now where you stand in the present journey. And if you still um, are at the same level and you, you're eating the same, you're talking the same, you're angry and you're not forgiving and you can hold your thoughts and you're you're wishing bad upon people and you're doing things that's vulgar and you're doing things that are unconscious. I would say that um, your spirit um, is not moving as forward as you possibly can, because I believe when your spirit is pure and it's clean, um, everything that's foul and derogatory will leave you. Mm. Um, it will be a. Uh, um, not a part of you anymore, it would fall. If you had helium and you was holding a balloon with helium and you was rising up and you was going up in this balloon and you had all these things attached to you, the higher you go up, you'll see a lot of those things fall off of you. Because why? They can't never they can't take the altitude that you're going to. So all those things is going to fall straight off of you because they can't deal with that air any longer. They can't breathe what you breathe anymore. They can't see the thing that you see right now. And they can't compress themselves to have the oxygen level that you have for yourself. So in that aspect, when you're rising, and you're rising, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, what's going to happen is things that are no longer for you are going to fall off because you they can no longer survive on where you're going and where you're at. Mm. 
I appreciate that. Let me do a quick recap. So what I'm hearing, yeah, let's use another metaphor is the muddy water metaphor. How do you clean up a, you know, a cup of muddy water? <laughs> the way you do that is by continuously pouring more and more clear water. And at some point, the muddy water would be clear. So essentially is what you're saying. Um, how you measure based on Memnon's point of view is, am I bringing forgiveness? You know, how is my anger? Uh, am I still triggered by the old triggers that I have? And when I meet my exes or friends or quote unquote enemies, adversaries, do I wish them well? Do I give them love? Right. And actually an interesting point you said is, you know, am I manifesting what my desires or vision is? Can you say a little bit more about the, um, the vision to reality part? Yes. Our living reality, um, you know, when you are fighting the spiritual uh, part of yourself, see, a lot of happens because we are conditioned in this world uh, to respond, to react, uh, to interact, to at a certain level. I don't really believe that the spirit gets stronger until you detach yourself in some form from reality. I believe you have to move yourself out of the reality in order to find your own reality. And I think once you find your own reality and you're able to adjust to yourself, you're able to love yourself, uh, you're able to give yourself um, the mighty warrior, noble warrior that you are, who you should become, why you are there, why you are present. When you figure that out, literally, when you figure yourself out, everything else that you have, it surrounds you that is going to blossom that character, everything. You're going to find the food that you're going to supposed to eat. You're going to find the friends you're supposed to be around. And you're going to find a woman uh, or the man, uh, the woman. She's she's going to find a man she's supposed to be with. He's going to find a woman he's supposed to be with. All of those things are going to fall into identity. All of that is because the spinner, the spirit is now free from any forms of reality that are there. You are now formed your own reality within yourself and became yourself. So now there's nothing but love that exists now uh, that is going to surround you and embrace you. So your life is going to make a turn. Uh, and that turn is going to be manifesting yourself into the ultimate spiritual self. And when you get the ultimate spiritual self, everything that you do is going to be ultimate as well. I love that. Thank you. I 100% agree. Um, but for the sake of discussion, let me ask maybe some questions here. <laughs> so my understanding, using my language to this, is you have the super consciousness, right? Then the, the Godhead, the higher self. Then you inherit it, perhaps, from your parents, from your culture, from your gender understanding, your teaching, from your schools, all these different false constructs of reality. And through my own practice, I can shed away these uh, false beliefs and I get more and more illuminated. And thus I'm more free to go out and create my own reality. What is it that I wanna to bring to the world? Quote unquote, self-actualize or really just actualize reality. I love this quote that you had in your other podcast some time ago. You said, each one is each own signature. I am and I create. 100%, right? Really owning that I am and I'm create. 
So, um, did I capture everything you just said? Yeah, you did it great too, man. That was great. <laughs> you did it excellent. Yeah, very good. So, how does one cultivate? Going back, right? Going back to the tactical. How does one go in and cultivate that I am and I create this Godhead? Do you have any specific recommendation and practice so then others can go out and take on similar practices? Um, how do you cultivate it is, is that um, you have to form practices for yourself. Well, first, let's just go through the blueprint. You know, the blueprint is, is one, finding your identity. Find out who you are. The next step is you got to love who you are. You got to really love it. The next thing is you got to work on yourself. And when you work on yourself, you have to work on those attributes you feel as though is most prevalent in your life. The next thing you got to understand is what do, where's your will? Because the will is going to drive you anywhere you want to do. There's nothing that the will, the will is the super element of self. See, people don't understand that, right? And what I mean by that is, is uh, you know, have you ever willed to do something? If you had the one that you love, your mother, if someone's going to attack your mother or your father right now, is it anything that will stop you from not letting that happen? You'll do everything possible, right, for that not to happen. You'll get strength that you never had before, that you never seen. You'll get speed. You'll get quickness. All of those things will happen. That is designing your will. And if you really understand the will and you have a relationship with it, if you take that fire that you was going to attack somebody with and you would stop them from doing things to your parents with, if you're able to put that element inside of yourself and manifest that into all elements of yourself, you'll realize you will have energy and you will cultivate that into everything that you do. And that is what makes you really invincible because you, if something really wants to happen and your will is there, it's going to happen. Nothing can stop it. So it's about really shedding light, understanding the will, getting a relationship with it, and bring that upon your life to share it uh, upon all the attributes that you have upon yourself. Nothing can stop you. But that's the um, that is about the fourth one um, that you would have to do. The fifth thing you ultimately have to do is you have to now structure practices together, and you have to align them. And what I mean by that is, is that inside of your day, you got to say, listen, I wake up around this time. What do I do from the moment I wake up into the time I go to bed? What am I actually doing? And if you're doing in your day and you're not cultivating yourself in some aspect, meaning you're not learning something, you're not working on a body part, you're not working on your mind, you're not doing anything for your spirit or your soul, uh, you're not doing anything for your intellect or your studying, right? You could do all of that. Right. What do we talk about the last one? Right. The last one was will. So if your will is there. Right. All of these things happen. And you know what we, we talked about prior to all of this is building those muscles up. All of these things build yourself up. It builds your self-identity up. It builds yourself as a culture. You self-cultivate these things. And just like muscles and you're building and you're in the weight room and you're getting big muscles and, and you're getting uh, uh, all of these uh things that you're doing in a gym and your cardio is getting good and girls like to work on their backside. So their backside is getting bigger and all of those type of things like that. Imagine if all that will that you had 
to really concentrate on all the aspects, soul, spirit, body, uh, intellect, psychology. Imagine if you had all of that all put together and you had actual practices or you knew what to do to build it up. Think about that. If you do that, then what type of person would you be? You know, a lot of things, you know, see, is all due to whether you're going to do it or whether you're not. That really is all that matters, right? There's nothing that can stop you. If you know what to eat and you eat something different, that's you. If you know where to go, but you still go somewhere else, that's on you. If you know if you're supposed to wake up at this time and you don't, that's you. If you know you're supposed to go up and you're supposed to not hang around a certain people or person, and you still hang around that person, that's all you. So when you get down to it, is there anything in this life, anything whatsoever, that you don't have control over to create, to manifest, or to wheel out or in of it? There's nothing. So if that is the case, they are the most prominent things for you to work on. It's not your body, right? It's good, you know. Lady love it, right? You can lay down and she say, take it off and she like to show and it's all good. And, um, you know, it could be good and, and the fellas like that, uh, but they have a body, but they can't fight, you know. All of that stuff is, is all good, right? But the real essence of everything is all things that are not really seen, right? is all things that you are really, just like diamonds and all things that are really viable are always hidden, always, you know? So there's hidden parts of the being that you are supposed to work on uh, that will come out openly once you cultivate them. Yeah. And if you cultivate those hidden things inside of you, you're going to find that you're going to be more immaculate than you can ever imagine. So it's all your choice. Right. Yeah. It's all things that you do and you want to do for yourself because nothing can stop a determined individual no matter what. And with that determination, I'm talking will. If you know how to master your will, you'll master everything else. And that's how you cultivate. See, you know, and that's how you got to do it. But you use the gym uh, analogy as a way to on this podcast, we actually use the same analogy over and over again. Just like how you go to the gym to train your muscles, you know, your physicality, you can go to the gym, your mental gym to train your mentality, your emotional gym to train your, you know, how you, how expansive is your heart. You can go to the spiritual gym to train a way of being. And the more reps you put in, the more quote unquote muscles you have, the more strength and mastery and the more range you have to really have all different domains of your life work together synergistically. Effectively, that's what you said. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to underline too. This may be, this is maybe nuanced, but for any of you listening, uh, Stanford researcher B.J. Fogg, he wrote a whole book about tiny habits, right? And the whole idea is you don't start off saying, "I'm gonna do what Memnon does." You know, he's like a professional, you know, a spiritual warrior there. So, but you can't, you, what you can do is break it down to the atomic unit of a step. So for example, if the habit you want to take on is flossing. So instead of thinking about flossing the entire set of teeth, which may be, oh my God, it's a lot of work. Start off by making a commitment of flossing one tooth. And of course, when you start with one tooth, then you, you know, probably do 
a lot of other teeth too, all right? So that's one thing to do. And the underlying thing that I want to say to any of my listeners here is anytime that you take on, let's say, exercise, you are taking on the being, you're an athlete, right? That way of being, you don't need to do a memo this to be an athlete. You can literally put on your shoes as your micro commitment, and that's your way of being, your step into that future that you're creating for yourself in your life. So that's one thing I want to underline. It's not necessarily the doing. Yes, it is. And it's more important on this podcast, we talk about way of being. Curious to know what your thoughts are, Memnon. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I think that is uh, definitely in a direction uh, on the person, uh, on the individual. Um, there's always the way of the being, you know? And I think you can start. I think people always want fast results, right? Uh, you go there and people are getting married or uh, they got an event coming up at the beach and they want to get slim fast and they want to do all of these things. Again, is on the image part. Um, but it all comes down to moving a step. You can move a baby step, but you know what that means? Even if it's a baby step, you it was still better than you were yesterday. That's the way it works. And then from that baby step, I guarantee it becomes a 12-inch shoe, then a 14-inch shoe, then a 20-inch shoe, then a 25-inch shoe. It just keeps going on. Because again, what does the physical teach us? The physical teaches us is that the more you give on to your body, the more it grows. It's a proven fact. You can look at any form of uh, um, bodybuilding or any form of physicality, when you are structuring yourself to a form a pattern of working your body, your body is the what what the creator gives us in order to see what results go into what work is done. And the overall work, when it's done in an aspect, it comes out and it shows you that it grows if you put work into it. So again, you don't start out lifting 400 pounds, right? You don't start out lifting 1,000 pounds and squatting all 2,000 pounds and so forth. You don't start out like that. You start out doing push-ups, sit-ups, and then all of a sudden you're 135 to 225 and 335. It all works. So if it's telling you that, because that's what physical does, tell you that specifically. You're running one mile one week, right? And by the time you – if you run one mile a week – by the time that year is over, you'll be running 12 to 15 miles probably every time. So the physical, again, is the blueprint. It is what we are given in order to really succeed with the hitting jewels of self. You have to know what's outward, right? It's just like you play chess and the pawns are there to give you an expression, protect you, and to keep you protected and to show you form on why you should not be caught. And ultimately, you use those pawns that you have upon yourself in order to manifest the king and the queen within yourself. That's the way it works. Everything is given and shown to you as a, as a matter of image or consciousness. And it's up to you um, to really find a defining meaning on what that means to you. That's the way it all works, man. And ladies and gentlemen. I want to ask you a quick question because you had mentioned in one of your five steps, loving yourself as a practice. Mm -hmm. Now, most people will agree intellectually, yes, I love myself. But in mm -hmm. practice, 
very few people really truly embrace the totality of who they are. I recently came across a quote that says, your ability to be bold in pursuing your dreams is in direct correlation to how much you love yourself. I just love that so much. So I'm curious to know, what are some of the practices that you can recommend that you have that you could recommend to your students of ways to cultivate self-love? Um, the way you love and cultivate self-love is spending time with yourself. You can never love yourself amidst around a group of people in a, in a correct form. You have to spend alone time with yourself. You have to close your eyes and what do you see? And then about controlling what you see is about what do you see? And if you see it, can you explain it to yourself? And every day, if you do that, and you practice the alone time and you practice closing your eyes and seeing what you see and you examine why you're seeing it, you're going to have better understanding of yourself. And that's going to create a condition and that is going to create a love and that's going to create a bliss of yourself. The more you spend time, just put it this way. And you can look at it metaphorically in this fashion. There's not anything that you spend a lot of time with that you wouldn't grow a fondness or love for from a being perspective, right? If you're spending time with your mother and father, right? You love your mother and father. You love your brother and your sister, right? You, you, you love your mate that you're with. A lot of people even stay in relationships, not because of love, because they spend all that time together. So ultimately, time, again, all these elements in life are teachers, right? And that's what time teaches you is one of the foundations of time. One of the foundations of time is, is it shows you from a blueprint on how things grow, right? You can look at time and you can see how things grow. And one of the things that grows in time is a fondness, a fondness, an affection. It grows most of the time. People can be at jobs that they hate, but because they spend time there, they are attached to it. So that is showing you the blueprint on what you need to do for yourself. Imagine if you took all of that energy that you give for things that you don't like as much into something that you should love, which is yourself. And when you create and you're trying to create a fondness, you have to spend the time necessary with yourself. You have to spend the elements of time with yourself. And you have to, and that is going to create a belief, it's going to create a love, it's going to create a bliss, it's going to create a magnificence, and you're going to become the most greatest being you can ever imagine uh, just because you have now spent that time and you have grown the fondness and you have grown the compassion for yourself. So yes, absolutely. So in order to uh, have your question answered is that how do you do it? You have to spend that time with yourself. That's the only way it works. You can't be in a group. You can't be uh, around individuals like that. This is why the me time, and people talk about me time, but it's never thoroughly explained. The me time is the time that you are taking to love yourself. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. So the more you cultivate yourself in your me time, I guarantee you the more love you will have for yourself. Mm. It's a it's, uh, chicken and the egg, right? In my mind, that's the way I kind of see it is I spend time to love myself. So I'm bringing a way of being into that practice. And also, as you said, it's an outside in as well, where the more time I spend with myself, the more fondness that I also have with myself. So 
there's that synergistic effect there. Am I accurate to recap what you just said? Yes. All You've right. been doing great, man. I, you know, I, <laughs> you are recapping the mess out of it too. Great. <laughs> so one thing I want to ask you this question, because in the very beginning when we started this podcast, we had talked about what is it that we want our younger selves who may be going through their dark times right now, who may be struggling with whatever life challenges, relationship challenges, business challenges, physical challenges, spiritual challenges, perhaps to, to lead with. Um, and we want them to, to know that everything is good. You don't need to worry and it's okay. Right? So say a little bit more about, <clears throat> let's see, how do I contextualize this question? Because you have your intention, your purpose in life is to embody what's possible, right? So you do a lot of different practices, you set a lot of different goals as a way to manifest that. A lot of people would have a self-esteem roller coaster, right? If they achieve a result, they're awesome. If they didn't achieve it, they're shit, right? So what would you say to those, perhaps our younger selves, I certainly did, attach my self-esteem to whether or not I meet my own expectations? Anything you want to say about that? Um, man, that's a lot. Um, a lot, I would say, man. Um, when I look at the young, when I look at the adolescence um, of me, you know, I would say um, really to him is uh, be yourself, you know. Um, don't worry about anything because even though you're going to become something that we always dreamed about you becoming, um, I want you in this moment in your time right now to ease yourself and just to be who you are. That's it. We did it. We actually did it. Everything that we talked about in the basement, everything that we talked about in the fields, everything we talked about in our room, um, everything that we did, everything that we wanted to happen, it has now become. You have become, because of you, um, in this path that you are on, um, we have manifested everything that we dreamed of always being. We've, we, we've done it. We really have. I wish you could see me, you know? Um, I wish you can see where we live and see, you know, all of the things we dreamed about uh, for um, our character, our dignity, on how we stand, on all the attributes that we talked about in tears, you know? All those people that didn't uh, believe in you, it's okay. All those people that didn't understand in you, it's okay. We have now become all of the things that we have engineered to happen. So I say to you, yeah, it's okay, man. You know, it's okay and, um, love more, um, you want to meet some beautiful people, uh, you want to have uh, a, a 
wonderful uh, life ahead of you. Um, I want you to just to be yourself and believe on believe in the path and be happy and keep doing what you're doing and I'll meet you there. Mm. That's what I say, man. Thank you. I feel a lot of love for younger version of Memnon right now. Yeah. The reason why of that is that um, I didn't really have a lot of that structure on me, man. You know, um, I don't. I don't come from one of those. Uh, you know, my father and uh, mother they are living together almost fifty years now. So, my parents wow. are wonderful beings, man. Wow. Um, but um, I didn't. You know, my parents never understood. You know, it's not like I could go to my parents and talk to them about philosophical reasoning of the universe and you know, you know I, mean? I could show them some advanced calculus and say pop check this out you know uh this is actually you know uh the syntax of you know when you put this in physics and you know my dad be like what like you know what i mean yeah so it's not like you're going to uh you know talk to your parents about what you are and what you believe in structure um so i didn't have um you know um um, I had a wonderful, um, I have a wonderful um, older brother, um, and he was a blueprint um, of ultimately believing in me and doing those things. So my brother uh, was a great source um, mm -hmm. of inspiration uh, to me. Um, but um, nobody, I didn't have that type of love, man, like, you, you know, you could, you could be with somebody and you could be like, hey, you know, I bought you, you know, uh, all these roses, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm taking you on all these trips and that's not really on how that person looks at love. Like she hates roses, right? And she don't like going out, you know? So it's just like, yeah, you're doing things uh, that are loving, but you're not doing things because you're not paying attention to that individual or how that individual looks at love and mm -hmm. will feel love is appreciated. So, for me, um, I didn't have a lot of that, man, you know, uh, so I had to kind of create it on my own, um, but it grew me stronger. You know, I grew more personal uh, because of it. So when I'm talking to my younger self, you know, I'm envisioning, you know, where I'm at, mm. you know, um, I'm envisioning, you know, in the room, creating something. Um, writing all these notes about an exercise I'm going to practice or writing these notes about um, some form of crazy psychology test that I'm going to give myself that was like 83 pages, you know, or, 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 or do something and be standing, staring at a wall for like 18 hours, you know, and, and seeing if I could ultimately see through it. That's why I probably squint to this day. Like my eyes is, <laughs> never can tell. You know what I'm saying? You know, see, they probably think we from me and you got the same <laughs> eyes. You see that? You know? And, and 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 ultimately I think that's to this day, man, where my eyes are the way they are. Uh but ultimately I put myself into all of these practices, man, um, that um that it was going to be um I had to find love for myself so much. You know, and um, you know when I so when I look at my 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 little side of of M9, I just see you know myself in that room. Um, I see the tears he was having. I see the belief that 
he didn't think nobody really saw him for who he was and I, um, believing in the greatness about him uh, because my life is this unbelievable. Nobody, if you've seen practically, unless I was on Facebook, right? And people can actually see what I'm doing, right? It's not you going to go out and tell somebody, hey, let me tell you about this guy. I'm not like he, you know, he's part of, you know, this, he does an intelligence test. He's, you know, has rationality, you know, he lifts these weights. I mean, all of these stuff that you may say about me, nobody's going to believe that. If you like told him like, really? like, oh, get out of here. You know, there's no way, you know, that type of thing. And that's what you, what you always heard, you know, and people, because we have such a low expectation, you know, for the self and how you can cultivate things into yourself. So nobody believes it. So when you ask me those questions, I just see that kid like, you know, and I see the pain, you know, that he was going through. And because I, you grow spiritually, you now grow to compassion, right? You now grow to compassion to be, you know, something more. Um, so, 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 so that's one half of my question. The other half of my question was, how do you not let the weight of expectation, this weight crush you does that make sense because for a lot of high achievers who are totally committed to self-actualization self-transcendence being the most that they could be as their best self right what they fight against is their own created weight that they've been carrying all their life and i know that well because i've carried that and right. i have to be really cognizant of like hey uh, don't let that stop me from taking the action and actually enjoy this very moment here and now. So I'm curious to know, as someone who has a really high aspiration to be the best version of himself, that the embodiment of excellence, how do you manage not letting this weight of expectation crush you? Uh, because I just, I live with it, you know, I, I want it. Um, that expectation is not anything that I don't want um, so for me, it's not really about expectation. It's just about me just living my life. So I don't really, I don't really see it uh, because the expectation I put onto my own life um, is already wanting to cultivate excellence. And again, something we prior talked about is that you know because I live myself in a, in a certain diligence of being disciplined to want excellence and cultivate excellence every day in the practices of all of those things that I do. I just live my life and I let it act as a reflex on my behavior and actions, reactions and response. So for me, it gets really easy. I don't really worry about the outside entities of it because I know from a very um, pivotal point um, and a very center point of myself is that I expect those same expectations out of myself and I refuse uh, to give anything less than that. Mm -hmm. So I'm committed. My will is driven and ultimately is in line in every vein in my body. So mm -hmm. it makes sure that everything that I do, every form of act, I perform. Everything mm -hmm. that I speak, when I walk, talk, all of those things are forms and come from those that will pouring mm -hmm. into those veins. So almost as a reflex, I'm going to want excellence in all mm -hmm. of those things. So it ain't about what other people are expecting out of me. It's really on what I'm expecting out of myself. And ultimately, it just, have to, it just happens to be a match, you know, mm -hmm. because people have now seen uh, me now and I'm out in the open and Facebook and, you know, social networks can ultimately see this. Um, 
I want them to be able to see it so they can ultimately have and drive themselves to the highest level. So it's an expectation, you know, for myself. Um, I want them to have that. They should. Uh, yeah. Man is to be the role model of life. And yeah. you should expect uh, me at all times to never disconnect myself from the umbilical of the source yeah. uh, and have that God life. That is an expectation I've always put on myself because that is what I live. Mm. So is this like, your, you know, if you have a culture and you're living that culture and somebody is expecting you to live that culture, you're like, all right, cool. I'm living it anyway. You know, so it is not like, you know, your expectation um, is anything that alters my reality mm. or alters on my, my form of living. Yeah, this is what I do. Yeah, you know? it's not a performance you're putting on. This is who you are, and then you're sharing who you are to the public. I, I get that. And then also in between the line, what I'm also hearing is is this. You have surrendered your ego to this devotion of excellence. So it's completely. no longer, uh, is that, you're shaking it completely. Com okay. No, I'm saying completely. Um, I... You cannot live life with the ego involved. Uh, I don't believe, um, um, and I didn't. Uh, you, you're not. You, I didn't really grow. I, I don't think it's true growth until the ego leaves you. Um, I don't think you can totally become everything. You can become some things because we live in a society that appreciates and applauds ego. Um, um, some people, a lot of people, um, too many people, um, applaud the ego. Um, but um, the ego um, is just a form of cog that is a, a stands in the way of your natural self and of your true self. You can never fully become. You can never meet the woman of your dreams. You can never meet the person or the mate uh, who you're supposed to be with. You can never have the friends that's going to bring you to omnipotence. You can never get on programs like this, you know. And you can never have um, the total, um, comp you can never have a total competency in yourself uh, with the ego involved. So I released it completely. Um, I don't want anything to do with it whatsoever. Um, and part of that reasoning um, on why and what was that is that I, I've never believed on um, um, uh, really, you know, doing things for money and, and all of those things like that. Um, I have totally... Um, Given myself uh, to the source, and mm. um, and 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 living this life only to define the pages um, in history, uh, so mm. people can now just look back. That is my currency, you know. People can look back and say, you know, there was a person that lived, and in that life, um, that person was able to show his will into these aspects of life and form a totality and form practices in order and show the world um, that you can always be all things. There's no selective. There's only the uh, only the objective in which you give yourself. And in that objective, you can use your will to turn your life into whatever you want it to be and manifest whoever you want it to be. And you could be a total, complete being and live your life in any fashion, super or non-super that you want. And mm. I choose super, and that is what I do, and that is because that is where I'm driven, and that is what my life purpose is for me. Mm. Um, and that is not even about 
anything else except living on who I am. And it just happens to be that. Um, but you have to let go of ego before all of that can really come to fruition. Because if not, you're always going to be stuck. And you always want to let people guide your spirit instead of you guiding your spirit. There's a lot I can say there, but I'm not going to because I know that our time is limited. But I'm, dude, I can talk to you for hours. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about is your learning style because you are a poly math and polyclot and then you uh, <laughs> that's definitions that people have given me man i don't i don't believe in no title except in none that's just how people describe me uh but i man you, know, you are what you are okay so it's all good <laughs> so i appreciate how humble you are mm -hmm. so i'm curious to know because there's if, in terms of learning because i'm a lifelong learner as well i'm always a student no matter what lifelong student um one school of thought is go deep focus on one niche go super deep and that's the path of the nobel laureate right they just go super super deep and uh one other path is where follow your curiosity so if you're curious today here you're curious today there follow your curiosity how do you learn what's your philosophy around learning um, well, I have um, nine books. Um, I practice uh, 10 minutes on each book every day, 10 or 15. And I have a, I have a new uh, syllabus each month. Uh, I believe that one should, uh, most of his time should be cultivated in study. Um, so I don't have any TVs in my home. Um, I have around 5,000 uh, in 30 books now, 30, a little over 30, um, just all libraries in my home. Um, and I believe there are two ways you learn. Well, there's multiple ways you learn. Uh, but from this aspect, you learn one by reading um, and cultivating your reality through those texts uh, and then learning new things, um, experimenting with yourself uh, and then reading the book of yourself. Um, there is the uh, time. What do you mean by always, that? Reading the book of yourself. What does that mean? That means when you close your eyes, there are thoughts that's going to happen automatically. If you close your eyes right now, right? We anybody close their eyes, you're automatically going to think of something. Um, those thoughts are, I believe, part of the consciousness and the pages of your consciousness every day. And I think as you practice closing your eyes, spending time reading those pages of consciousness in yourself, you're going to find out more about yourself, and you'll become and you'll notice if you do that a lot, you become more at ease with yourself. You become more at ease with cultivating the structure of who you are. You become something more. Um, and that's the way it happens um, by reading your pages on who you are. Everything that's in your head is telling you a story or is telling you something that you should know about yourself. So that is reading your pages um, about yourself. But I think I have a study curriculum and a new curriculum each month. Um, where I take nine books within my book bag every single day. Um, and I, I have a timer on my clock that I have. It will run from the first minute. So ultimately, I have my um, uh, phone and it stopwatch on it. I'll click it the minute my first prayer is in the morning and I'll let it run all day. And then certain hours of the day, um, I, I look at my stopwatch and I know I have a prayer or meditation or I have my study time. I take 10 minutes each book. And I and for any book that I don't finish, 
because uh, I'm pretty much good on speed now as far as reading wise. Um, so but, but for every book that I don't finish, um, it will go to the new curriculum for the next month. So as far as learning is concerned, I believe learning is constant. Uh, there's not an element uh, to the universe, to each element that we are not constantly trying to cultivate ourselves through a learning channel. And I think you should set up um, a form of system to cultivate yourself every day. Um, this happens just to be mine. Good. All right, let's, let's go a little bit more on the ground, boots on the ground here. Uh -huh. uh, for constant learners, it's easy to read things that's spoon fed to you and have an idea like, hey, I actually know this book. What I came to realize for me is, well, I don't really understand this book until I can teach someone else what I've learned from this book, right? So I'm curious to know, you consume the books 10 minutes at a time, night book a day, right? That's really impressive. What do you do as a way to integrate everything that you learn, you know, in terms of information to knowledge to actually your ability to pull it out of you at will? Does that make sense? How do you have to integrate what you learn? Um, what psychology teaches you is that uh, the best way that you cultivate learning is to write it. Um, you have to write what you learned. Uh, so what I do is um, every night before I go to bed, um, um, do one of my last memory tests that I do is I try to write on 20 lines everything I learned from all of the books, right? Mm -hmm. And some books I will remember better than others because mm -hmm. then that's the book maybe touch me more or I thought was more interesting mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, it, it was in the more favor in the right side of my brain, <laughs> you know, that day. Mm -hmm. But I write it out uh, 20 to 25 times. Again, I don't really put numbers on it. Um, but 20 to 25 lines, I write out every single thing that I learned. I then go take that um, and then I share it in the morning with myself um, by again reiterating what I learned. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times you go to bed and what? You know what? You don't remember nothing anymore. Is it? You know? So I was able to train my memory um, to be able to get conditioned to that. So it was the last thing. So let's backtrack, right? So you study the books. At the end of the night, you reiterate the books, and sometimes you go back and cheat because you forgot a few lines. So you go back to the book, make sure you understand it more, and you go back and you write it down. That's the end of your night. You wake up in the morning and you reiterate some more. So now you're again starting with that information inside your consciousness. So when you do this a number of times, what winds up happening is, again, like those muscles we always talk about, right? You're building up your memory muscles. And you'll get at a point if you work your memory good enough is that you can see something in a flash and you can remember every single number. You can look at everything in one uh, line and you can remember everything in that line. You remember everything in two lines. You can remember in three lines. Before you know it, you can remember a page. And when you remember a page, how far can you go now? Because we know the mind has no limit. So can you remember two pages? Can you remember three? Again, these are the practices that you put into yourself if you want to have the will to do it. Mm -hmm. I just, my will is just, uh, I believe there's no limit into will. Uh, because again, we go back to that kid, those superheroes under bed, mm -hmm. and this is something that I always believed in. Uh, so ultimately you, you manifest yourself in your own identity and you build your own practices up for your own identity and then this is what you become. Um, so yeah, 
how I learn? Do I feel learning is something essential? Yes. I think one should be cultivating every single night. Mm, I love it. Um, last question. Well, I'm, let's see. <laughs> like I was saying, there's so much more I could, I could go, but uh, our time is limited. Let's focus on that question of will. So if you look at the yin yang sign, right, the yang approaches power through, right? And if you look at the yin is surrender, you know, let the collective consciousness take you and surrender to flow. So I'm curious how you navigate when you cultivate your will like a weapon, how do you navigate the yin and the yang? Um, it's a, the old story of the caterpillar. I'm going to share it with you. The caterpillar uh, mm. was traveling, right? And all of the animals uh, were seen as caterpillar and running. Um, so the elephant asked the caterpillar, hey, you know, you got a thousand legs. How do you walk with a thousand legs? That's like crazy. How do you do that? And the caterpillar said, I don't know. I never even thought about it. And the minute the caterpillar started thinking about all those legs he had and how he's doing it, you know what happened? You know it because you're smiling. He tripped, right? So that's my answer. I don't even think about it. Mm. I don't. I just let things kind of persuade themselves and go in the direction they have to. And if I don't know what that feeling is, or if I don't know why it's there, I'm going to ask questions on why it's there, or I'm going to ask questions on that feeling. And you mm -hmm. know what's going to ask questions on that? I'm going to find out one way or another, because I'm going to dig, and then I'm going to dissect. And when you dig and you dissect, you come out better with a better understanding than you had when it first happened. But for the most part, and for the ultimate part, I don't think about it at all. I just let everything happen the way it's supposed to happen. And then I'll just take it from there. Um, so whether it's from the surrender or whether it's from the will, um, and if they're colliding um, or if they are speaking, um, I let it just happen. Mm. At that point, just like Osho talks about it, is you become the watcher. Mm. And instead of asking why things are there or trying to figure out things on why they're there, you just be the watcher. Because well, all I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna push you on that just a bit. So David Hagen wrote a book, Navy SEAL guy wrote a book called Can't Hurt Me. Mm -hmm. The whole thesis about it is when you think you can't, you've only reached 40% of your capacity. So his whole thesis around life is leaning to adversity, push himself harder than ever. Is a very masculine, very young approach to life, right? Mm -hmm. So as you cultivate your will, I'm curious to know from your point of view, how much do you have a, like an aphorism to how much you lean into discomfort? Because in my mind, leaning to too much, you, you're gonna get injured. If you don't lean into it enough, you get complacent. So how do you find your own sweet spot? If you can articulate that, that would be really great. Yes. Um, well, it's like you, if you're doing reps on something and you do it to failure, um, 
you do things until you can't do it anymore. I mean, there's not a point where I say, you know what, when we asked about, you know, what we can talk about, right? What did I tell you, right? I said, we do anything, right? There's no limit. It's no limitation. We go for it, anything. You just let it go. I answer it. Um, I go into failure. Mm. Um, and when you go into failure, you know that you and you know where your limit is at and how you can stretch that limit. You don't have to put a time on things. You don't have to put a number on things. You can just ultimately say to yourself, I'm going to do this to its maximum effort. And if mm. you do things to its maximum effort, you know you can go how far you can go and how much more you need to do in order to get where you have to go if you have a goal. And for me, yeah, everything is built. You can get built in adversity. We find things, but adversity can go sideways too. Because if you have a bad, you can find a lot of people who went through adversity and then come out like Gogans did, right? Because so it's not really about uh, how Gogan says what adversity is, because adversity can only turn upon a beholder. It's about the wheel and how you generate the manners in that wheel and how you respect and honor yourself enough to be driven in order to drive yourself to the new level, right? And, and, and thankfully, Mr. Gogans was, was able to drive and turn himself in that adversity into a flame. But there's a lot of people who don't understand that feeling and ultimately give up on themselves and don't have the will to generate and flip that. So again, it always centers itself on the will. And for me, it's not around on, on a number. It's not even about adversity. It's about what can I do to its maximum level, and then I'm happy with it. And then mm -hmm. I maximize my level until it goes to another maximum level. And then mm -hmm. it goes to another maximum level. Because again, like we always talked about, you're always going to build those muscles up as long as you work on them. And mm -hmm. as long as I work on that maximum level, I'm going to create a new one. So mm -hmm. that's how I look at it. Memnon, mm -hmm. I so appreciate you being here and sharing yourself, your life experience, your practices, you're going to the different gyms, right? Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and really help me unpack. Why is it that your people love you so much? And I now have an experience of you. So I have a glimpse. I have a little understanding of why your community, your students so appreciate you as a, as a teacher for them. Uh, just thank you so much for your generosity and the willingness to do this verbal jujitsu with me. So, man, listen, uh, see you now. You are a friend and a brother. Um, I'm so humbled um, to be a part um, of this broadcast uh, for you uh, to invite me here. Um, I can be more humbled. Um, it's an honor to meet you, it's an honor to meet your audience. Uh, I'm very humbled to be here. Um, I hope everybody have, I can, I could have, have um, in this broadcast, we have kind of answered some things. Um, this is a most magnificent host. Um, and I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your surroundings. I appreciate your culture, your background, your story, your broadcast, um, everything. And I look forward to us uh, talking again. Can't wait. Until next time. Right. Take care, Absolutely. Brother. Take care, brother.